The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Look out. Here's what I have to say. You better get ready to wake up because if you aren't wide awake, you're going to be wide awake in a few minutes when you hear our host today, our guest today. I'm the host, Joyce Bender, but i got to tell you how honored I am and how excited I am to have a person that I know, not that I think, that I know is a civil rights legend in the disability community he is a part of our disability rights history. He has the fire. He has the passion. He is the national organizer of ADAPT. He is someone I admire very much, Mr. Bob Kafka. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Joyce. You have me embarrassed here. Well, that's hard to picture, you ever being embarrassed. i got to tell you, the first time, one of the first times that I met him, he he was meeting with a group of people, you know, for a grassroots thing here in Pittsburgh years ago. And I remember, and, and you didn't even know me then, Bob. I just remember thinking, oh, there's Bob. Oh, he is such a, wow, there's the man. He is the man. He is the disability leader. And now here you are on my our show today. And for all of you listening to this show, I'll tell you, you all know I have a saying. As a matter of fact, I just said it to Bob about Yoshiko Dart. And by the way, Yoshiko, I know you love Bob, so if you're listening to the show today, I know you're going to love it. And Yoshiko, what I told Bob about you is you're the real deal. That's the same thing I have to say about Bob. He's the real deal. No politics, no playing games. He is the real deal. But, Bob, since we have people listening to the show throughout the world, how about if you tell them first, a little bit about you, such as what made you decide to become an advocate. There are many people with disabilities, but they, of course, do not all decide to live the life that you have as an advocate. What made you decide to do that? Well, you know, I came from a, a family of uh, union organizers and uh, who were from immigrants, Eastern European, and uh, my grandmother... Uh, Grandma Sarah, as I uh, always called her, uh, belonged to this uh, women's club called the Emma Lazarus Women's Club, which uh, in the 50s was for these sort of very radical things, you know, peace, civil rights, uh, equality, uh, you know, union wages and things like that. And as a kid, I used to make the signs for the meetings that she would hold in the building uh, in the basement, and so uh, my, you know, my grandmother and grandfather were really sort of. I, I always talk about them as my mentors, and really kind of put into me about you know social conscience and social change, and and really sort of um, really made me aware of how you had to really bring people together, you know, to sort of affect change, and that's that's kind of stood with me, you know, again, I broke my neck uh, about 34 years ago, so it got me sort of started, you know, as a disabled person, but, um, you know, I, I really think it was sort of the foundation from, you know, my, my grandparents, 
who really kind of, uh, you know, put it, you know, real clear to me. And on my grandmother's grave, my uncle had it inscribed, uh, you know, rebel with the cause is what's inscribed ah. on her, on her, uh, gravestone. So, uh, I always give, uh, credit to my grandma Sarah. Grandma Sarah, rebel with the cause. I love that. Well, she obviously had an impact on you. She's, I'm sure she's very proud right now, seeing everything that you've done. Which uh, get, brings me, by the way, to one of our first questions from Louisiana from a Cindy, and that is, Bob, I admire you so much. Thank you for all you are doing to help people with disabilities. What advice do you have for someone with a newly acquired spinal cord injury who is having a hard time even wanting to move forward living? Signed, Millie. Well, you know, when I broke my neck, you know, the thing that I most got help with is when I talked with other people with disabilities. You know, again, it's, it's you know, the whole disability rights, independent living movement talks about people with disabilities moving forward. And even though, you know, people keep treating us like we're broken, not fixable, inferior, you know, when you're around other people with disabilities, you learn things, not only about your own body and your health, which I know when you first have an injury, that's what you're most concerned about, but even more importantly, you sort of see how, you know, you are in one way just like everybody else, but in other ways not. And so it, you know, the general public gives you this impression that, you know, boy, if we could just make you normal, you know, then, you know, we can fix you and you'll be able to live your life happily. You know, the independent living disability rights movement basically says, look, you know, I may not want to have this disability, but I'm proud as a disabled person. And that's hard to convey to the general public, and sometimes it's hard to convey to our own community because we sort of buy into that we're inferior, that we're broken, that we need to be, quote-unquote, meet the sort of normal approximation of the able-bodied world. And so, you know, I would really get with some of the local people in Louisiana. That may not be easy, but uh, you can communicate with that and really start sort of seeing how you can get involved because that, to me, is was most helpful for myself and it's what I kind of think of when I think about uh, the disabled community and that word resonates with me very much, community. Yes, yeah, I agree with that 100% because when you meet other people, just like me, as you know, Bob, I have epilepsy, and many people don't like to talk about epilepsy because of the stigma attached. And the stigma really is due to, of course, the you know what happens when a person has a seizure, what it looks like to others. But you know, I tell people all the time I have epilepsy. You know, it's as you just said, it's not that every that I said one day, oh, I hope that I have epilepsy, but I do have epilepsy, and epilepsy is part of who I am. So you know, I'm not ashamed of who I am. Right. And, well, and. And it, it sort of sends sends a message. You know, uh, my wife is also uses a wheelchair, and we were uh, at the store one time, and this person came up to to us, and they said, are you married? And we said, yes. 
and she said, "Oh, I'm glad you found one of your own kind." Oh, and you know, oh. it, you know, and even though it was really an offensive comment, oh. you know, in in a lot of ways, it's sort of like, you know. You know, people with disabilities are sort of like encouraged not to sort of interact with your own kind. You know, it's sort of like it was something negative, and so it's really important, I think, to sort of, um, you know, Mark Johnson once did this bumper sticker, "Disabled and Proud." You know, and it's been a little difficult in our movement to start doing getting that pride, but you know. If you're going to become an advocate, you first have to feel good about yourself because you then have then you can build that anger towards some of the injustice that's going on out there. And when I talk about anger, I'm not just talking about lashing out, but you know about getting that feeling in your gut that you want to do something that you know people are not being treated equally, and that just because of their disability, they're you know not having an opportunity. To interact in the community, and you know that is crucial to sort of getting people involved. Because if you don't have that sort of sense that there's some oppression going on out there, then it's very difficult to 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 think about bringing about change if you think that what they're doing to you is all right. Right, that's correct. Yeah, if you think all is well, you're not going to, you know, you're, and you're not going to know if you don't get out there and you don't get in, as you say, the community. I just wanted to mention Mark Johnson was just on our show. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I was so proud that he won the Betts Award. Um, and he, he really is a good person. Another good example. Yeah, yeah, I always kid Mark. I mean, people may not know Mark, but I always said if you, if you want to have a disabled son, Mark Johnson is the son you want to have. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, what, what a person, what a leader. Um, and, you know, I just think so highly of him also. But I wanted to uh, ask you a question, but I'm going to wait till we come back from break. Listen, if you just joined, you are in for a treat because we have Bob Kafka, the national organizer of ADAPT, co-director of the Institute for Disability Access, but most importantly, part of our American civil rights history for people with disabilities. You don't want to miss this show. We'll be right back after break. You're listening to Joyce Bender, America's Voice, on voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. Have you ever thought about having your own Internet talk show? Well, if you said yes, then click About Us. Then click Be a Host to get more information. Or just call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417. Say that again. 480-294-6417. VoiceAmerica.com. Albert Einstein once said, nothing happens until something moves. Will your movement towards realizing a dream, making a long-lasting change to your life, or simply putting a daily smile on your face is just a click away. Tune into Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney and free your mind, open your heart, and ignite action in your life. 
host and commander in change, empowerment coach, and international speaker, Scott Chesney, shares his insights to making the most out of your daily lives. Scott interviews people who are maximizing their lives, the most recognizable transformationalists, and leaders around the world, as well as those hometown heroes that move, touch, and inspire the best in all of us. Stay tuned into Maximizing Life for Scott's one-on-one coaching with callers. Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney broadcasts each Monday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney, inspiring you to live life with passion, purpose, and limitless potential. Radio by George is a lifestyle program dedicated to improving the lives of listeners by focusing on the holistic growth of their mind, body, and spirit. Host Eddie George shares his life experiences as well as the experiences of his guest commentators and experts with the listening audience to focus them toward reaching their personal and professional goals. Tune in every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m. PST, 4 p.m. EST to Radio by George on the Voice America channel and learn more from the life experiences of a man who went from being a somewhat unruly kid in the streets of Philadelphia to a retired professional athlete who has become a role model for not only young people, but for businessmen and women globally. Plan to spend your Monday afternoons with Eddie George and his empowering talk radio show, Radio by George. That's every Monday at 1 p.m. PST, right here on the Voice America channel. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back to the show, and you are in for a treat. We have Bob Kafka, the National Organizer of ADAPT, Co-Director of the Institute for Disability Access, and Bob is also just a great civil rights leader for people with disabilities. So great to have him on the show. Uh, Bob, do you want to tell everyone what you were just telling me about on the break? Yeah, um, I was telling Joyce that uh, when the U.S. Constitution was 200 years old, I ordered this, uh, you know, the coffee table book, you know, just to have on the Constitution. And I, I got it and I opened up the book and I was thumbing through it. And I see this picture of this man, a uh, single amputee on a, on a wooden peg leg with a cane, and it says that Governor Morris of Pennsylvania is attributed of writing the preamble to the U.S. Constitution, We the People. And it just kind of blew me away that I had never heard, nobody ever had mentioned to me or anybody else in the disability community that you know, a disabled person is attributed to have written We the People of the Preamble. I thought it was so illustrative of the problem we have in terms of getting disability, you know, into the public arena where, you know, every disabled child going through school should know this, be given this, and the disability community should be, you know, like celebrating it. But it, it's, it carries on. You know, when I got involved early, um, the American Coalition of Citizens with Disabilities was very, very active. It was all 
consumer-driven national organizations in a national coalition long, long before AAPD. Well, come to find out, when you Googled it, you couldn't find anything on ACCD. And people like, you know, Judy Human, Eunice Fiorito, were all part of the um, beginning of that in the history. But it kind of, you know, even though it went away in the early 80s, it didn't even show up in the disability history at all. And so, you know, there's a real, you know, problem that, you know, we're sort of, you know, I come from the Be Here Now. Well, it seems like disability history started somewhere like when the ADA was passed in 1990, which is totally erroneous. There's been years of battles and fights and people who have brought us to the point where, um, you know, uh, equal opportunity and, and community integration is starting to happen, but not anywhere as where it should be. Absolutely. And you know a good example? The story you just told us, that is amazing to me. Imagine, you know, if you're listening to the show, you're a person with a disability, or if you have a child with a disability, whatever the situation, is it that wouldn't that be a great story to tell? Guess who wrote the preamble to the Constitution? What a great story. Now, the question is, why was that never told? And just so you all know, I never knew this till right now. Never had I heard this till Bob ta- told me that, and that absolutely blows my mind. Well, and it also carries on, you know, if, you know, everyone's talking about today in our, like, presidential election, that the p- possibility of the first African-American, the possibility for the first woman. Well, you know, it's really interesting how even though... They talk about FDR in very glowing terms, and we have a, you know, the fact, they never really talk about as the first disabled person mm-hmm. who was president in the same way. I mean, I, I was just hearing a story about FDR. There's a new book coming out about him. And, you know, I think it's, it just shows how, you know, even though we have the Americans with Disabilities Act, how people with disabilities are defined in law, how we as a culture see ourselves as people with disabilities, the general public still has not sort of seen us in that way. It's, you know, they they basically still see it in the health, sort of health care reform mentality. It's, even as much as we have talked about it, seen it, moved it, it still is very much very difficult to get away from that medical sort of definition of ourselves. And, uh, you know, sometimes I think that we've, you know, gone so far and now we might even be reverting back to the bad old days. Yeah, I know. Well, the medical model is terrible, just so you all know. You know what that does? That translates to the sick culture. That translates to why would I hire you? You know, you want we have this high unemployment for Americans with disabilities. We have got to get away from that. We are a disability culture. We're a culture of people. Just as Bob said, I tell people all the time, wait a minute, you can lead the country through the Depression, through winning World War II, be a person in a wheelchair, but you can't be an accountant or a computer person. I mean, what's wrong with this picture? What's wrong is we don't think about FDR as he really was. The first president with a disability, I mean, but with a visible disability. The other thing that's really, I mean, most people 
don't know that, you know, Washington had a whole bunch of ramps that after FDR died, they just took out that, you know, that were there only for him to use. Uh, and, and after his death, they just took them all out. And so we've slowly had to be, you know, DC is now pretty accessible. But it, it just shows you how they saw it as a moment in time, not as something that needed to be continued. But I think, I think that that is why it's so important, you know, to continue getting new people, keep, keeping, I call it priming the pump, uh, because of, you know, the, we've gone so far and we need to continue pushing, uh, for, you know, the total community integration. Well, you know, we are, we love the month of July because, of course, we have our own Independence Day, but different people with disabilities, we have our real Independence Day on July 26th, which I believe we should celebrate every year. That's why we have such a high listening audience in July because every July I have on disability leaders throughout the month, starting with Bob. What a great way to start. But, Bob, I want to talk about another person, and that person would be Justin Dart. Here we are, right in the state of Texas, with all of this uh, great, great disability rights history. You have done so much in your life. I wanted to ask you, Justin Dart, what impact did he have on you? Well, you know, I learned an awful lot from Justin in terms of commitment and staying focused uh, because, you know, anybody that knew Justin knew that he was he was extremely committed and focused and you know and he was amazingly smart on knowing how to play the system and you know politically um, he also he knew how to also work the bureaucracy like nobody he he understood the idea of building blocks in terms of laying the foundation and but the one of the most important things i learned from justin is he was amazing at setting the sort of parameters of the debate. He was really open to allow anything changed within those parameters, but he was really very slick about setting the parameters and then getting input within those parameters. And he had an amazing impact, and he was really early on when ADAPT was seen as the radical arm and, you know, sort of nobody wanted to associate. Justin and Yoshiko, you know, were always supportive of ADAPT's role in the disability community. We drove them crazy. It wasn't Justin's style. It took them many, many years. I think San Francisco in 1984 or 5 was the first time he joined us in one of our marches. Um, but, you know, he always loved to tell this story. You know, many people forget that Justin was very close in the Reagan administration. Uh, you know, most people just remember him through the Clinton presidency and always thought that he was, you know, a liberal Democrat. Well, you know, Justin actually was had some very conservative views um, on, you know, independence and the medical model and paternalistic of government, but he used to really have this little smile and tell the story about how he would meet with President Reagan and have his ADAPT sticker in the White House on his wheelchair. <laughs> sort of like, you know, just sort of his own little sort of protest, you know, within that uh, area. 
So I always I always thought of Justin not really in the liberal conservative way, but more of the utopian socialist type thinking. He, you know, he had this really really philosophical view of how the world should be, and he really and he 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 thought of it very broadly, but then he concretely made specific changes and recommendations. And you know, he made changes here in Texas. Just uh, he was chair of our governor's committee, and then did a, a, a report that ended up helping build things in Texas. And then he went on to becoming the chair of the president's committee and laying the foundation for the passage of the Americans with Disabilities Act. And so, you know, Texas actually has quite a bit uh, to do with the ADA, because not only with uh, Justin, but Lex Frieden, who is then the uh, director of the National Council, then on the handicapped, uh, now the National Council on Disability. So, so Texas has had a really big impact on the passage of the Americans with Disabilities Act. Amazing, and you know, just I just want to tell you, unlike Bob, I am so sorry that I only knew Justin for a couple years before he passed away. But once I got to know him in Yoshiko. Do you know, Bob, when you were talking about different groups and different events, it's when you mentioned ADAPT or when he would say to me, well, are you going, do you know about ADAPT or do you know about what ADAPT is doing? That's when he would get really excited. Yeah, he was, I mean, you know, what made and what is really missed with Justin today is that, you know, he bridged all the disability groups. He truly believed Mm -hmm. in cross-disability. He truly you know, he he not only uh, would interact with the DAP, but the National Federation of the Blind and the American Council for the Blind, National Association for the Deaf, and other groups, parent groups. He, you know, was very uh, supportive, and you know, with uh, the uh, Coalition of Citizens with Disabilities, who were mostly at those times with developmental disabilities. You know, so he he bridged both because he felt they all brought something to the table. And, you know, if the word community means anything, you know, Justin sort of, you know, illustrates that. He talked a lot about individual and individual, you know, taking leadership and, you know, the power of I and things. But it, it ended up bonding together in terms of community. And if anybody knows uh, or knew Yoshiko and, and Justin, I mean, they, they sort of had sort of a family about everything they did, and I think that sort of really impressed me. I think it's part of the community family spirit. We like to think that adapt and why people come to actions uh, and protests to to really build, you know, and bring about social change. I agree. Yeah, Justin, he could have been the United Nations ambassador. This is the man that could bring everyone together. He could. He could bring every group together. He really was like the Gandhi of our disability movement. I mean, he is was unbelievable, and Yoshiko still is today. And you know, yeah, we used I to drive him crazy. I mean, it was. I mean, because you know, he was like I said, very you know smart politically and worked the bureaucracy. And here we would blow things up. I mean, in terms of protests and stuff like that. And He'd shake his head, but, you know, he never actually dismissed us. He always saw it as an integral piece, you know, um, 
we've we've talked about our stuff as sort of the pitchfork approach where you know direct action protesting is an important piece of it but it's not the only piece well justin also saw that very clearly that you know you needed the political the legal the education type of things but if you didn't have that passion if you didn't have that what we call direct action organizing going on everything that went on in washington would go to north because in essence that's why justin and yoshiko drove around the country to meet with people because they knew that it you know though it's ultimately passed in washington that ultimately you have to get people out in the community working and together and i don't i don't think we should ever lose that because you know if we think just because we have the ada or just because we would have a president or a party that is more favorable doesn't mean that we're going to get what we want unless we continuously push you know from each and every local community and state yeah that's right we and, and i'm going to tell you you need the fire. We need the fire because we got a long way to go, as we'll be talking about. As soon as we come back from break, we've been talking to Bob Kafka, the National Organizer, Organizer of ADAPT, co-director of the Institute for Disability Access, and as I always say, a fireball for civil rights. You're listening to Joyce Bender, America's Voice. On voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Voice counts. Call toll free 1 866 472 5787. 1 866 472 5787. VoiceAmerica.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Ever wonder what are the favorite travel destinations of the Hollywood jet set? Where do celebrities like to go when they aren't walking the red carpet? Tune in to Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk with President of Traveris, David Manning, and Lisa O'Hurley, golf aficionado and wife of actor John O'Hurley. On Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk, David and Lisa talk with well-known actors, sports celebrities, and entertainment insiders to find out about their favorite travel destinations and what they recommend. On Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk, David and Lisa also offer up feature vacations each week and last-minute deals for your next getaway. Find out what's new and exciting in the travel industry, as well as how to raise money for your nonprofit organizations while enjoying a wonderful vacation. Travera Celebrity Travel Talk with David Manning and Lisa O'Hurley broadcasts each Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Travera Celebrity Travel Talk, your inside look into celebrities and travel. Join Patricia Raskin, host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com, Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. 
Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call in to Positive Living Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific Time right here on voiceamerica.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back to the show with our guest, Bob Kafka. Bob, is it pronounced Kafka or Kafka? How do you pronounce your name? Well, I'm from New York, so I say Kafka. Okay, Bob Kafka. Well, I want to tell you something. When I'm talking to Bob at these breaks, I mean, I'm telling you, I'm getting so fired up. I'm ready to go march somewhere in a civil rights march as soon as I hang up the phone because I am so excited about everything that Bob has done, and I want you to know about ADAPT. Not only, Bob, do I want you to tell everyone about ADAPT and what, you know, how large it is and how you uh, founded it in 1984, but I want you to tell people also how they can make a contribution. Okay. Actually, next year, 2008, will be the 25th anniversary of ADAPT. And, oh, good. Uh, I, I must admit, though I've been involved a long time, I was not there in the in the very beginning. I got involved in 1984. Um, it, ADAPT started in Denver, Colorado, in um, you know 19. Um, when when did it? Uh, it was 1982. Na- 1980. It started in 1983 in in Denver, Colorado, and the web started on was a specific issue, which was access to mainline public transportation. At the time, ADAPT stood for, we used to, instead of now, we just used the acronym ADAPT, it used to stand for the American Disabled for Accessible Public Transit. And we worked on lifts on buses. And it was a really relatively small group of people who started to work and protest at every conference of the American Public Transit Association so that there would be a national mandate that all new buses that were bought would have lifts. And frequently people had misinterpreted that we were anti-paratransit. What we were was for integration for everybody who could ride the main line to be able to do that. And that has followed up into everything we do um, as we've moved towards the Real Choice campaign, which I'll talk about later, you know, that we want people to integrate into the regular community, that separate is never equal, and that we want people with disabilities to be able to integrate. And so it started with really the first national protest was only about 40 people in Washington, D.C. Uh, in 1984, I went there. I was I was a VISTA volunteer. I'm going to tell you a story that, you know, that I violated a federal law. Um, I was a VISTA volunteer. You're not supposed to protest as a VISTA. Uh, I didn't intend to. I thought I was going to a training. I uh, went to uh, to this training from this man, uh, Shell Trapp, who's our, our mentor uh, on community organizing. And what he showed me was that you don't just do it on classroom. You do it by being out there on the streets. And I got so sort of involved that 
you know, that I really saw that it worked, that I ended up in 1984, my first arrest, following, uh, you know, a group, you know, again, blocking a door of the Washington Convention Center where the American Public Transit was having their meeting. Um, and, you know, I learned there uh, how you sort of like, if you can tap into people's, you know, anger that, you know, that uh, they will get involved and grow. And so now ADAPT has grown to about, we have about 45 networks across the United States. Uh, it, people always ask, you know, how many actual members and how do you become a member? Really, it's it's just getting involved. There's no membership fee uh, or anything like that. And so we have thousands of, of people across the United States working in local communities, some in, in each city, some have state associations. Uh, it's a very, very loose network of folks that was held together by communication networks and by the passion around issues. We are very, very focused on issue-oriented organizing. We don't have a president. We don't have a treasurer per se. We have networks that all contribute. Many uh, are helped and supported by independent living centers. You know, some are not. It, it's very, very varied. But what I think keeps the energy and the passion going is the fact that people control at their own local level what they do and we all come together twice a year to sort of focus on the issue. Back then, in the beginning, it was access to public transportation. Today, it's about uh, reversing the institutional bias in nursing homes and other institutions. And what is your website? Our website is www.adapt.org. And if there are people who would like to join us at our next national action, uh, it's going to be in the great city of Chicago, Illinois, September 8th through the 13th. Um, and it, you can uh, either through the website or just through um, calling 512-442-0252 for more information. And what will be going on at that event? Well, two things. One, uh, on September 9th, uh, Secretary of HUD uh, Alfonso Jackson is supposed to come, and we're going to be having a housing forum on accessible, affordable, integrated housing. Uh, and then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we're going to um, do some direct action illustrating, uh, you know, Illinois is one of the uh, states that's been in our 10 worst for many, many years. Uh, they've uh, have more people in institutions per capita than almost every any other state. Um, they've op kept open a, uh, a state institution for those with developmental disability. So there'll there'll be um, some direct action protests illustrating why we need to have uh, the Community Choice Act passed, uh, as well as reversing the institutional bias at the state level. And where does Pennsylvania rank in this? Well, Pennsylvania has always been on the edge of the of the worst ten. Um, you know, it's it's really it's really interesting when you look at statistics about this stuff because when you speak to some people, if they're on a program, they like it, and so their state seems to be okay. But when you look at it overall, uh, Pennsylvania is 
is really very close. I think they, if we did it the 10, the 15 worst, Pennsylvania would, would probably uh, rank in the bottom 15 in the country. Um, you know, and it's, it's, it's amazing, uh, you know, states like Kansas, Colorado, Maine, Vermont uh, are those that are some of the best. Wisconsin uh, has been very high in terms of that. And we looked o- overall. It's not just people uh, with physical disabilities, but those with cognitive as well as mental health, because we wanted to look across, you know, the, the broadband of uh, disability and institutionalization. And so even though a, a state might have a really good program for people with cognitive disabilities, they may have a horrible program for people who are older and with physical disabilities. All right. Now, listen, if uh, people want to make a contribution, do they just go to your website? Yeah, you can do it through the website, or, again, if you wanted to send a contribution, uh, you can send it. I'll give you the actual snail mail address, 1640A East, 2nd Street, Suite 100, Austin, Texas, 78702. Okay. Could you repeat that one more time? Sure. It's... 1640A East 2nd Street, Suite 100, Austin, Texas, 78702. And any contributions, small or large, is welcome, and we are 501c3 tax deductible. And they would make that out to ADAPT. ADAPT. You know, and just let me tell you, with all the baby boomers retiring and with our aging population and with so many things happening, oh, my goodness, this is going to get big business for the nursing homes. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that is um, real clear is that as, you know, the baby boomers age, as uh, older people are acquired disabilities, as we have medical technology with more children with disabilities, um, this issue is percolating, and, you know, it's really, we've had amazing changes happen, but it's like the Queen Mary that's turning. You know, you're on it, you know it's turning, but you don't feel it yet, and that's what's going on with this system. Our long-term services system is still relatively the same as it was in 1965 when, Medicaid and Medicare were first established during the Johnson presidency. So we're talking about 42 years of basically the same system. We have Medicaid waivers, so things have gotten a little better, but fundamentally it's the same program. You know, we really need to start really thinking out of the box. Everyone likes to talk about change. Everyone likes to talk about community. But when the push comes to shove, follow the money. And... Still, 67% of all our public dollars is spent on institutionalizing people old and young, and that leaving only 33%, and that is fundamentally the problem. And, you know, if any of the people listening out there don't realize there's over 2 million people, old and young, as we listened here today, warehoused in institutions. And we're going to talk more about that as soon as we come back from break. But I want you to know, when he says old and young, he means old and young. You're listening to a great civil rights leader, Bob Kafka, 
on voiceamerica.com with Joyce Bender. Don't go away. We'll be right back. the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, Hello? and ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer, and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with easy to understand tools and tips with his weekly guest jim draws from successes with professionals college high school and youth teams coaches and players learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure tension and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with championship thinking every tuesday at 4 p.m pacific time right here on america's voice voice america Albert Einstein once said, nothing happens until something moves. Will your movement towards realizing a dream, making a long-lasting change to your life, or simply putting a daily smile on your face is just a click away. Tune into Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney and free your mind, open your heart, and ignite action in your life. Host and commander in change, empowerment coach, and international speaker, Scott Chesney shares his insights to making the most out of your daily lives. Scott interviews people who are maximizing their lives, the most recognizable transformationalists and leaders around the world, as well as those hometown heroes that move, touch, and inspire the best in all of us. Stay tuned into Maximizing Life for Scott's one-on-one coaching with callers. Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney, broadcast each Monday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America channel. Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney, inspiring you to live life with passion, purpose, and limitless potential. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back. I've been talking to Bob Kafka, and boy, did this show go fast. Let me tell you, I mean, I could talk to him all day, every day, and he is a civil rights leader for all people with disabilities, but specifically Americans with disabilities, fighting the fight at ADAPT. Bob, I know I have two questions I have to ask you, so I'm going to do something different here. Before I ask you those questions, what would you like to talk about that is the most important thing to you that you want our listeners to hear about? Well, um, something that just happened 
Uh, this past weekend, uh, we had our second annual Youth Summit where we're bringing along new leaders. Uh, something that we feel very, very passionate about is, you know, frequently in movements, you know, the leaders think that they're always going to be the, you know, the creme de creme and the best that's ever happened out there. And, you know, as I look in the mirror and I see my gray beard, I realize that we better start replacing ourselves, otherwise we'll be like the shakers, and a lot of the gains that we've had could p- potentially go away. And But we want people who are willing to work at the local grassroots level. You know, everybody wants to be sort of in Washington, sort of the sort of leader of the pack, on, and we don't have a lot of those grassroots organizations. So one of the things that I really... Uh, hope can we can build and adapt is moving to do this is one you know new youth leaders but two also development of new networks and grassroots organizations because you got to learn together we can learn from young people older folks but older folks can impart knowledge and so we have this sort of mentoring both directions so um, what I really would like the audience, if you know young people, get them involved with local community groups, adapt, uh, and, you know, show them the history of what we're doing and the importance of grassroots direct action organizing. And I could not agree more because we need leaders. And you know what? We need leaders with passion and leaders that have the right vision. Remember what Bob said here? You know, it's not about the glory. Oh, I'm going to D.C. Oh, I'm going to meet this senator or whatever. Don't misunderstand me. I'm very honored and blessed for all the people that I've met, as I'm sure Bob is. But, you know, that's not how it started with me, and that's not how it started with Bob. It started for me right here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, trying to find employment for people with disabilities over 20 years ago. That's how it starts. Because if you start in your hometown, grassroots, that's where you'll really make the difference. Um, Bob, everyone that's ever been on the show, I have two questions I ask. Now, this first question, I have to say, you have already done so much in your life and accomplished so much. I don't know how you'll answer this, but in your life, what, what would you say is your proudest accomplishment? Well, I mean, in terms of the most recent in the disability community is getting past the money following the person uh, that is going to get out uh, approximately uh, 100,000 people out of institutions. I think it's not so much me personally as, uh, you know, adapt uh, people at the grassroots. I think it's an illustration of how things can bubble up from the grassroots and end up in D.C. Uh, $1.75 billion, 31 states are going to be moving people out. You know, what I hope before the next time I get on this show is we can pass the Community Choice Act, which was formerly known as MICASA. It's uh, Senate Bill 799 and House Bill 1621, because then people will have an equal opportunity. I mean, I cannot tell you the stories of people's lives that have been stolen in institutions. People would not believe it. We hear about it a lot. We we think it, but once you hear what people have gone through in those institutions, you realize that we need Senate Bill 799 and House Bill 1621. Community Choice Act is really what I hope the next time I'm on this 
show, Joyce, we can be celebrating that victory. Oh, that would be wonderful. Do you want to quickly tell our listeners what that is? Well, the Community Choice Act would, would basically, if you're eligible for a nursing home or other institution, you would be able to choose to use community attendance services and supports. It's really a very simple concept for people who don't understand the system as it is today is that we have an entitlement to institutions. We have waivers and optional programs for community. It's totally upside down. It's an embarrassment to this country that after 42 years of Medicaid and Medicare funding, we still have that same system. we got to change it, and the only way we're going to do it is keep doing it from the local state on up. This is why, see, and you can go to ADAPT to read more about this, but you need to be writing letters to your congressmen and senators about this, everyone. Remember, there's power when you speak, not power when you sit back and don't do anything. And they're all home this week. They're all marching in a parade. Tomorrow, go down to that parade and say, if it's a senator, Community Choice Act. If it's a House of Representatives, go up to them and say, it's Community Choice Act. Be a sponsor, get it passed, have a hearing. You know, again, these people are going to be there at all these barbecues and celebrations and fireworks. Uh, get out there, just kind of walk right up to him or her, and, you know, they'll shake your hand. They might even pat you on the head, and after they do that, say, Community Choice Act, pass it now. Did you hear that? Now, he gave you a challenge. So many of you are listening to the show today. If just a small portion would do this, it would we could be part of this celebration when we have Bob back on. Community Choice Act. Pass the Community Choice Act. And, you, and just so you know, you may be listening and wondering, how could this impact me, right? How Thursday, June 28th, 2007, front page story on the Wall Street Journal, Babes Among Elders, Nursing Home Kids. Parents want cheaper home care, but Medicaid pays to institutionalize. This was the story of a 15-year-old in an institution and of a blind person, young, 18-year-old, in an institution. Don't think it can impact young. Right. It's not just old. Right. And, and, you know, the thing that story didn't illustrate, I mean, everyone is appalled when it's young, but, you know, again, what the sad part, and again, now that I'm uh, uh, an AARP member as well as a disabled person, I've realized that, you know, it's also, you know, a the gulag, as Harriet Johnson wrote, of our institutions putting older people away. I mean, it's sort of like what happened by putting sort of uh, the Alaskan Native Americans on ice floats when people are older, so they kind of sail away. I mean, again, we should be ashamed at our system, but again, more than just being ashamed, we need to act to change it. And I think we can do it. Uh, again, individually, you can do the letters and go up to them, but also please try to find a group at your local level to get involved with and join up with other disabled people, and let's make a change. And you, and you know what, Bob? Maybe what you can do for me is get a few people uh, together because we could have you and two others on the show, you know, a few months from now. Remember the people you said if you heard their testimony? Mm-hmm. I, I think everyone needs to hear their testimony. You know, as Bob said, um, 
about, you know, his age. I'm 53 years old. I have epilepsy, and let me tell you, there are many people that, unlike me, the uh, medication is not working. And guess where they are? I just want to leave you with Free Our People. Free Our People says Bob Kafka. That is our message. Free Our People. Bob, we're going to listen to you. We're going to go out and speak up. Thank you. Free Our People now. No more stolen lives. That's our chant, and it really resonates. You can do it. Take care. Thanks, Bob. We're with you, Bob. All righty. Come on, organize. All right, and listen, anyone listening to this show, tell all your friends this show is archived. They can go back to Voice America or BenderConsult.com and listen to this show. Tell all of your friends. Get that fire burning. You're listening to Joyce Bender. I hope you have a great holiday. This is VoiceAmerica.com, where disability does matter. See you next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters, right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com.